Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy part four of Kingdom, a sermon series by Pastor Greg Seamus. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the kingdom of God. And the first week, we were just talking about um, how much Jesus was interested in the kingdom, how much he displayed the kingdom, how much he taught about the kingdom. And um, the Lord didn't talk, talk much about uh, church, but he did talk a lot about the kingdom. And um, he demonstrated the kingdom. He used parables to illustrate the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is, was, is and was on his mind. And then the, the next couple of weeks, we talked about the principles of the kingdom. And, you know, the truth is we, we, live, in a, we live in a republic. We, we're governed under, the, under a republic. And so by the very nature that we've been raised in a, you know, republic or democracy or however way, you know, they phrase it, it's something other than a kingdom. And um, so when I read scripture, I'm reading it through the lens of my upbringing in the United States. And so it's hard for me to, to read scripture with that kind of a backdrop and so I need to gain revelation on what, a, what is a kingdom and how a kingdom operates. So when I begin to understand how a kingdom operates, then, I, then, then what I'm reading, especially in red, takes on a, a, a different dimension. In other words, I'm going deeper in the kingdom of God. And so, for instance, you know, something as simple as, as that we're ambassadors of the kingdom really sheds light on Matthew chapter 6. And Matthew chapter 6 talks about not having any stress or any worry. Don't be anxious for anything, right? So, so it talks about anxiety, why you stressed out, the birds of the air. We talked, you know, Jesus is talking about that because he's actually talking out of a kingdom paradigm. He's not talking out of a governmental democracy, republic paradigm that we live in. And so, so this whole idea of... Uh, an ambassador or um, as a citizen of heaven, for sure a citizen, is that a king's responsibility is to take care of his citizens. In fact, how a citizen lives reflects on the glory of the king. That's why we see in the Old Testament when the Queen of Sheba came in, she couldn't even make it halfway through the, to the throne where Solomon was because she was so undone. As a queen in a kingdom, she was so undone by how the servants were dressed, how, they, how proper they were. She was completely undone because the kingdom, the kingdom, the servants that were dressed and the display of what, was, what Solomon had built actually reflected the glory of Solomon. So, so how we live matters. In other words, in other words how, we're, how we're living um, actually reflects or bears witness on the glory of God to the world around us. And so, so when Jesus, so when we talk about something as simple as being an ambassador, an ambassador never has to worry about supply. An ambassador, an ambassador governs the place where his feet are, are owned by the government that he, chem, he comes from. So that means wherever your feet go, you're actually, you're actually not only established in the kingdom, you're bringing the kingdom as an ambassador. So an ambassador never has to worry about what to eat, never has to worry about when he's going to eat, never has to be worrying about uh, the clothing on his back, never has to worry about any of those things because the supply comes from the government that he's from. And though he might be in Iran, or he might be in Iraq, or he might be in Syria, or he might be in the, you know, Russia, or might be in England, doesn't matter where he's at, wherever he's at, uh, the government is, is, is hosting him, and the very land that he's on is from the government he's from. So when we, take, we, when we understand kingdom, we understand colonization, those simple principles, we actually can take Matthew chapter 6 and apply it to our life and say, you know what, I really shouldn't be worried. Yeah. 
Why? Because not only am I an ambassador, I'm a citizen. Not only am I a citizen, I'm a son. So you're not a son of, you're a son of the king. So a son of the king doesn't have to worry about supply. Oh, come on now. But I'll tell you, at times I worry about supply. But the more I understand the kingdom, the more revelation I gain inside of me that actually moves me to a place of faith and not fear. Are you guys all right? So those are just a few things that we talked about several weeks ago. And then we went to the Philippines and we came back. We had a great time there. We came back. And then last week I talked to you about responsibility in, the, in, the, in terms of kingdom. And wherever the Lord has given you responsibility, he's given you authority. If we can manage our responsibility, then he'll give us more authority. But if we can't manage the responsibilities that he's given us, then we limit ourselves in terms of our influence or authority. In other words, the measure, the measure, I determine the measure of kingdom, of kingdom, uh, I want to say kingdom delivery, but that's not the right word. You know, of, of the kingdom coming in greater measure in my life. Cast your bread upon the water and it'll come back to you. What's the measure? Me casting the bread. So we understand that he's for us and he's not against us. He's the champion of heaven. At the same time, I am directly connected and I am responsible with what he gives me and he'll actually give me more as, as I'm responsible with what he's given me. So in other words, the place where you have, a, the place where you have responsibility, sir, is the place you actually have spiritual authority. And I, like I encouraged you last week, move in that authority. In other words, take authority. Don't wimp out. If you're a, if you're a, a husband, if you're a father, then you have, God has given you spiritual authority and he invites you to use that authority as a kingdom ambassador. So the will of God is, to, is for us to prosper in every way. You guys are very quiet today. Though I realize that there are, there are questions that need to be, still need to be answered, and we're probably not going to get the answer to those questions. We're probably not going to get the answer to some of those questions on this side of glory. But we'll have the full revelation when we see him. But he invites us into this unshakable kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? How do we define the kingdom of God? Is the kingdom of God rules? Is the kingdom of God commands? The kingdom of God is actually the rule, not the in terms of rule, the rulership is the rule and realm of God in our lives and through our lives. The kingdom of God is invisible but made visible through believers. The kingdom of God is the manifest presence of God. So when we sing a song like we did this morning, when you walk into the room, everything changes. The, the, the theology around that is when the king comes in, he carries presence. And when the presence of God is in a room, then the kingdom of God has been established and increases in measure. That's why I never understood people who gather on Sunday morning and they, they diminish the presence. In other words, let's just, let's, let's make it palatable for the unbeliever. 
And they're not spirit sensitive, they're seeker sensitive. Forgive me, I love these guys, but seeker sensitive. But it's really against the very word of the very words that we see in scripture. Because wherever Jesus stepped into a room, wherever Jesus put his feet, wherever trail or whatever city he went into, he had the anointing without measure. And so when the anointing came, when he's walking in the dripping with the anointing, the kingdom of God is not only in him, but around him and working out of him and everything changes. But that wasn't just reserved for Jesus. That is something that he even said, the works I do, you're going to do greater works. So if I'm not seeing the greater works, it's not his fault. And that challenges me. And I hope it's challenging you. It's not that we, that we live in a measure of condemnation. We don't want to condemn ourselves. We want to draw near. We want to, my voice is cracked. We want to, my voice is changing. We want to draw near. We want to, really, I am over 40. We want to, we want to draw near. That's why it's important. Oh, man. Your time with God is not something that you religiously do to gain acceptance and approval. That needs to be broken off you. Your time with God is to draw near, is to get intimate with God, and as a, as a result, we're communing with God, and now we bring him out, and evangelism is easy. I don't think Jesus went to a synagogue and had a 10-session teaching on evangelism. I'm just saying. Jesus, you know, in the last year, this has been a real simple, one of my very simple prayers. And I just kind of gave it away with that statement. I'm asking the Lord, please make it simple. So if I hear a concept, I ask the Lord, simplify this. Because what we do is we build a theology that's so big people can't attain it. So in the, when I think back in the New Testament, I'm, I'm looking at people, I'm looking at, if I'm thinking about Acts chapter 1 through 8, and I, again, I forgive me for saying this, but I say it all the time, but it's still revelation to me. When 20,000 when 20, people are saved in a year and a half, and they were actually born again from people who were just born again. In other words, they didn't go to universities, which I'm not opposing. I have my college degree. They go through universities, and then they feel like they've finally been equipped enough to do something. And like a friend said so many years ago, you can have 32 degrees and still be frozen. I'll never forget that. I was in Bible college when I heard it. I was offended. It must still be part of my life because I'm still talking about it. But it's a true statement. Because they kept it, somehow they understood kingdom and they understood ecclesia. They understood that ecclesia was part of a kingdom and the ecclesia was governmental and so was the kingdom. Like they understood that part of it. They didn't have the, they didn't have all the Bible colleges that we have, all the correspondence courses that we have. 
all the online things that we have. They didn't have all the social media that we have. But yet, one-third of the city was converted in a year and a half. So either that's some kind of aberration, like that's some kind of a fluky thing that took place, or God's trying to tell us something. And that challenges me. So what was it? Well, they didn't, under, they didn't have a, they didn't, I know for sure they didn't have a, the, you know, the United States wasn't born then. You know, they didn't have, they had a, they, they were ruled by a, a dictator, monarch, whatever, Caesar, king. So they understood kingdom and they understood governing and they understood who Jesus was and they had the power that they understand the encounter with the Holy Spirit. Is that all we need? When the Lord created the earth, he put a world on it. And that world was his kingdom. When he created Adam and he created Eve, he created Adam outside of the garden and put him in the garden. He said, Adam looks lonely because he just got done naming all the animals and he saw them in pairs. He's like, what's up? So the Lord puts him to sleep, takes the rib out. <laughs> oh, man. That's a really corny joke. I have no idea what I... It's prime rib, but... So, it's just... It was just really bad. Just really bad. Really, I've never actually really said that, but it was really bad. Maybe I'm thinking about prime rib. I don't know. He creates woman, said, whoa, man. It's another bad one, another bad joke. That's what Adam said, whoa. It stuck. Come on, man, if you're married, you gotta say amen, all you men. Don't be quiet right there, you're in trouble. And the Lord establishes something. He puts a world on the earth. He puts two trees in. We know in Genesis that three, the woman's deceived by the serpent, the devil. She's disobedient. He's disobedient. She's deceived. And nonetheless, they both sinned. And we lost our authority. But we never lost our mandate. Our mandate was to have dominion. But we lost our authority. And now we have two worlds on the earth. We have the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. One earth, two worlds. And it's been like that ever since. So the Lord, through their sin, they move out of Eden. The will of God, I, I believe the will of God was actually to expand Eden. I think the will of God was that Eden would, that they would have dominion. It would increase. But now we're taken out, out of Eden. And now the Lord starts again with a little nation called Israel. So we have one earth. We have two worlds. We lost our authority. We never lost our mandate. The will of God is for us to have dominion, to actually establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. 
So he, he handpicks Israel, which is the most stiff-necked people. That's what it says. They were the most stiff-necked people. He got the most rebellious people from the other side of the track. And he, he handpicks them. And he says, you're my treasured possession. And he begins again with the nation of Israel. The thing is, is that with Israel, God was on the outside because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. So he's governing from the outside in, and he manifests himself in a lot of different ways. Cloud, fire, thunder, earthquakes. And they go ahead and they take the promised land, again, to expand his kingdom realm on earth as it is in. But we're, we still haven't dealt with the sin problem yet. And so there's a prophecy in Isaiah 700 years before Jesus, 700, no, 400, yeah, 700 years before Jesus shows up that says there's going to be, there's going to be a child that's going to be born and he's going to have a what on his shoulder? He's going to have a government on his shoulder. What kind of government is he talking about? His kingdom. You see, if the will of God, if, if we can read Genesis chapter 1 and flip over to Revelation chapter 20, whatever it is, whatever it is, 23, 22, whatever it is, and we see in Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation, beginning of time, let's say the end of time, it's all about a king, a kingdom, and a royal family. But how do we do life in the year 2018 from a kingdom paradigm? That should at least move us to understand what this kingdom is. Are you guys are you guys all right? So I can get my iPhone out, which is probably over. I have no idea what I did with it. <laughs> and I can get Twitter feed after Twitter feed after Twitter feed after Twitter feed, Twitter feed. Non-stop debate about governments and presidents and countries and all this kind of stuff and ignore the kingdom. The question is, how do we bring the kingdom into our culture? Again, I'm asking the Lord, please make this simple. Someone said that the greatest way to communicate or one of the greatest ways to communicate is take something that's complex and make it simple. What did Jesus say? Unless you come into the kingdom as a... Wow. What does that mean? In other words, a child can come into the kingdom and a Pharisee might not. I'm noticing, I'm going to get to my message in a second. I'm turning my page because I'm, just trust me, just trust me. I trust the word. Yes, I know, I can give you scriptures. I forgot what I was going to say. Children. So I, I guess I'm bringing you in today to my world. Kind of how I think. Because I'm over 40. 
and I, I'm over 50. The best years. Oh my gosh. I don't have a lot of time to burn on non-essentials. And I care about our country, I care about the world, and I, I care about nations. And it's my shift, just like it's your shift. What do we want? What are we living for? What's driving us? What's moving our heart? Security? Significance? How's our cities looking? Do we need another murder at high schools to wake us up a little bit? How do we take what Jesus said and bring it down to where we live as a legal ruling assembly? How do we do it? What's to talk about What's the talk about the kingdom? Friend, I don't want to take 35, 40 minutes of your time and my time to talk about non-essentials. I don't want to take another 45 minutes to talk about something that doesn't really make sense for me tomorrow. Do you? No. I mean, how does the kingdom work in my marriage? How does the kingdom work with my family? How does the kingdom work in the, in the workplace? How does, this, how does it work? Man, Jesus talked a lot about it. He even says, change the way you think, because I'm bringing my kingdom. It's called repent. Change the way you think. It's an upside-down kingdom. So I have to settle it in my heart is, if Jesus is king and I'm his son, he's all about a kingdom. How do I live in it and how do I influence culture out, out from, from how I'm living? That makes sense. <laughs> wow. Matthew 13. Can we turn there? I have one minute to wrap it up. It's okay just to share my heart with you, right? What you see is what you get. That could be scary. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Let's look at this. Let's just find out some element of the kingdom because this is very encouraging. Matthew 13, let's look at verse 31. Matthew 13 is all about the kingdom of heaven is like, kingdom of heaven is like, kingdom of heaven is like, right? So Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds, Yet when it grows, it's the largest garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch on its branches. 
okay, cool. Never seen a mustard seed. I think someone showed me one. Small, though. It's not an avocado seed. <laughs> anyway. He told them another, still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. How many of you ever have, how many of you have a bread machine? That was a hot item like 40 years ago, 20 years ago. I remember when we, I went over to someone's house and I walked in and that bread was waffling through the house. That's, that's the aroma. You ever walked into a, you know what I'm talking about. I know it's a carb, you shouldn't really eat it, but I love bread. In fact, I like going to Market Broiler just for the bread. I could sit there and just say, I have to give them a tip. I can just eat the bread. Then I'm repenting, you know, because you got butter on that hot bread, sourdough bread, and you just like, you know, then you can't even eat the meal when it comes because you've already asked three, you know, they're already giving you three baskets full of bread. Then you're asking the Lord to multiply the bread, you know, you're practicing, you know, signs and wonders and... Take this bread, start it here. You know, it's like multiply. We give communion to everybody. Okay, so, so there I am, like, and I, ha- I remember having a bread. I had a bread machine, and you know, the, the one thing about the bread machine is the the bread comes out really dense. Man, I love dense bread coming out of it. Okay, sorry, but I do. I the bread machine, dense bread. I mean, it weighs a lot. And you gain five pounds with one slice. <laughs> Serious. But I remember when I made it, they gave you all the ingredients, and then at the very top, you kind of, I don't know if you, I can't remember if you just push your thumb in it, and then you just put the yeast in. That's it. You have to buy the right yeast, put it in there, and you just, all you do is close it. And then you just, you wait. <laughs> you just, you're in, a, you're in an attitude of prayer, Thanksgiving, and you just wait. That baby comes out, you're just like, oh, let it cool for 30 minutes. Slam it. All of it. Haven't had one for a while. But then, last week, I was like, you know, how did they make, I, how did they do it then? I know how I do it, but how did they do it then? So, man, I went YouTubing. And I found one and this is going to be old stuff for you guys, new for me. I went there on YouTube, and they, they said, I found something where it said, how they made bread 2,000 years ago. Dude, got my attention. Right? So they were talking about yeast. And I was like, the first thing I said is that, oh, the yeast isn't in a bottle, and they didn't buy it at Safeway. <laughs> my first revelation. Oh, Okay. So they actually showed me how they did it, and this is actually what Jesus said was true. That's what he said. He says, wherever he said it, that a woman took a, and she mixed into, into a large amount of flour, yeast into a large amount of flour. So what you would do, if I'm right, if I remember, if this video was true, this is, the only pre- this is the only thing I can tell you if it's true or not, is that you actually, you actually have a huge amount of flour. I don't know how big big is back in Jerusalem, but, but they would actually put the yeast in and they would do this. They would mix the yeast, mix the yeast, mix the yeast, and they would just, there was a sowing process. There was a work process of bringing the yeast into the dough into the flour. So it wasn't like, because I always thought of this, when I, when I read this, I was always like, oh, I know what the kingdom of God is like. It's like going to a bread machine and dropping in some yeast and leaving and then waiting. 
The principle might be the same in the sense of yeast causes the bread to rise, right? That's the, that's the, but the difference here, and what Jesus was talking about, is that there is actually a, an engagement. There's an engagement with bringing the kingdom into a culture. There's, a, there's, there's work in mixing it into the flour, but once it's mixed, it can't be separated. And so the flour is helpless. The flour doesn't have a chance because there's, there's really no, there's no separation anymore because when the kingdom comes into a culture, something takes place and something begins to ferment and grow that they have no control over. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. Now there, you plant it. And then it, the mustard seed with the soy, it all takes over, but there's another connection that takes place. And like I said last week, small things are big in the kingdom. What does that mean? That means you don't have to do a lot in order for the kingdom of God to take over. There might be some things you have to do intentionally, like what's, so, so your next question is, okay, if that's the illustration, what does that mean to me? Like, nice illustration, but how do I apply it? I mean, I got, I got, a, I got a seed in the ground here, but then I have to put some yeast here and I have to do some of this. And it's both, both end. But in the kingdom, we think we have to do these big, oh, forgive me here. We have to have these, you have to do these big events in order to impact a city when the Lord is saying, no, it's the small that impacts the big. But what does that mean? Well, friend, when you go to work, just begin to start praying. Just walk into your work, praying in the spirit. May your Pentecostal. You're praying in the spirit. You're just like, you're just praying in the spirit. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to do that. They're going to think you're nuts. Maybe not. Maybe they'll be slaying the spirit. Who knows? You're praying. You're going to your office. Yeah, you're doing your, you're doing your thing. You're a manager. You're dealing with people. But you're praying. You know what that is? That's what it is. That's what it is. If you're a college student, you're a junior high, high school student, I know school's out, take some authority. Walk on your campus. Maybe you don't have to witness to somebody. You don't have to stand on top of the bench. If God tells you to, do it. I mean, preach. Stand on the, on the bench and preach is what I meant. Just don't stand on the bench. <laughs> do something when you stand on the bench. But when you do that, you're doing this. It's, the, it's looking to do the small things that are actually big. How big is a light switch? It could be completely dark in here. All you need to do is find that light switch. <laughs> I command the light to come on. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> I curse the darkness. In the name of Jesus. Bro, there's a light switch. You you don't just, just, just flick on the light switch, man. 
I'm too busy in intercession to think about a light switch. I'm talking about old-style intercession, right? We bind poverty. We bind criminal behavior. We bind murder. In the name of we just bind it. There's a light switch, man. You just flick it. Because light, darkness has, just like the flower, darkness has no match for light. But for some reason, just, the, that, just that simple truth, for some reason, I don't even know where it came in. Where, does it, where do we come in where, where we start cursing the darkness? Listen, cursing the darkness is not bringing the kingdom. Binding and loosing is releasing heaven on earth. Focus on releasing heaven to earth and you, you bind the enemy. You don't have to shout the enemy out. Jesus didn't walk into a city, I bind this city and I take authority. No. He just walked in and he was authority. That's it. It's simple. Let's keep asking the Lord. Lord, make it simple. I don't want to make it difficult. I don't want to make it complex. Just whatever, whatever you did, I want to do. Oh. So Jesus lived. I got to figure out how to tie this. I'm done. So like... The mustard seed, like, I mean, think about even, just read Matthew 13 this week. That's all. Just Because he talks about the sower, and he talks about the four seed. I mean, he talks about the four soils. I'm sorry. He, talk, he talks about all this kind of stuff. He's trying to illustrate. He's, he's looking everywhere. I think he was in one spot. I think he was like, hey, that, that guy had a, talks about the mustard seed, you know. Hey, you know, this, he's talking about these, all these things because he's trying to make the kingdom simple for us in 2018. You carry the kingdom, you bring the kingdom, your light, and you might work in a dark place. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If you don't know what to do, just commune with the Holy Spirit when you work. I know it could be a rough place. There could be a lot of people who are like on every side trying to, you know, trying to I don't know, cut your legs off to that promotion that you deserve. They, you know, I, it, it could be like that. It could be crazy. Still, he's in you and he's asking you to impact the culture. But for, if in the, if, I guess if there's anything I want to just kind of nail this, this morning, afternoon, whatever. Small things are big. Don't ever despise the small. If you bring the kingdom, remember, you're doing this. And it's all over. So I want the kingdom of God to rise in you, right? And then we want the kingdom of God to flow out of you. And we have to understand, maybe we'll talk about this next week. I'd love to hit Matthew 6 and really talk about this anxiety thing. Because he talks about stress, anxiety, shelter. He's talking about all these things, like things that are like the top five or six things for mankind. Food, water, shelter. Like that's audacious to say not to worry about that. And then you get Matthew 6, 33. But seek first my kingdom and righteousness, and all things will be given to you. That's an audacious statement when you really look at it. So either he's like, 
totally out of touch or there's something there for us. That's how we live as ecclesia. If we can't make ecclesia practical, then it's going to be another nice teaching point. Right? That was great revelation. I don't know how to bring it to my home. I don't know how to make, the, I don't know how to make it work. So establishing the fact that you are government, right? Come on. Right? Jesus didn't bring a religion. He brought a government. So how do I do kingdom stuff from that reality? Man, and have it be simple. All right, let's stand up. Let's just wrap this thing up. There's a heavenly sound, and it's Anthony. (laughs) Anthony brings those heavenly sounds. Uh, I might be a little biased, but I think we have the best worship team in the Bay. I know that's not kingdom thinking. I just, I just kind of went into the flesh right there. No, not comparing myself, comparing our team to anyone else's team except that they're better. <laughs> wow, we're, we're blessed, huh? To have our, the kind of worship that the Lord's given us. You know, as we're wrapping it up, I was thinking about this this morning, and it kind of came out when we were traveling. What was it like to be with Jesus? I mean, three years is amazing, just one week. You know what the scripture says? That the book can't even contain the miracles. You know what I think? You can check this out. You can talk to the Lord about. I think Jesus had a radius. I I can only imagine he can only touch so many people. I think when he went into a city, the presence, which is the foundation of the kingdom, is the rule and realm of God. When he came into a city, I think that people were getting healed three or four or 500 yards away. I think when Jesus came into a city, into a town, he had, the, he had the anointing without measure. And I think he might have touched a few people. He talked to them. He has some recorded scriptures. But I think people were getting healed in houses all over the city. I think there was a radius in his anointing. I think it could be as practical as a touch. But I also think it could be something that the Lord just released as he brought, he brought, he carried the kingdom. And that Jesus is, is matchless. And like we've said before, the opposite of the devil is not Jesus. The opposite of the devil is Michael, the archangel. Jesus is completely other than uncreated. No match. No match. There's no match. There's no match. The only match we had because he emptied himself and took on humanity. And that's where we get the temptation. But he's glorified now. No match. I mean, just think about that for a moment. And he lives inside of you. And he's for you and not against you. He's your champion. He's your hero. He's your covering. He's your atonement. He's the very foundation of your eternity. And he's called us, he's invited us in to partner with him. Wow. Let's figure out what that means. So I break off anxiety off of you, worry off of you, condemnation off of you, 
shame off of you, things that the enemy has put in front of you, no match for King Jesus. Not, no match. And we choose this afternoon, we're asking for a greater revelation of kingdom reality, like practically. Lord, I want to live from heaven to earth. My feet are on the dirt. My feet are on the earth, but you're, you've invited me to, and you've said in your word that we live from the unseen to the seen. How do I live from the unseen to the seen on the scene? Teach me. Teach me so I, I know what it means to be a, a better dad, a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, a better teenager. Teach me. Teach me. Lead me and teach me. May we be kingdom people, not because it's something we put on our, on our weekly bulletin or on a webpage. We're kingdom people because we understand it and we're living from it. So Lord, teach us. Teach us as a family, a spiritual family, as a house. Teach us. And Lord, I just believe in you for great exploits this week. Honestly, I'm believing you for more people healed, saved, and delivered. And we might not have the fullness of the revelation, but we're going to be responsible with what we do have and what we do know. And so we just release that over every person in this room. The presence of the Lord would rest on you. The anointing of God would flow through you to a culture that is void and distant from God and separated. So Lord, we just pray for divine appointments. God, I pray that you would be Jehovah sneaky and you would sneak up on us. You would bring these people to us. I know it's not theologically whatever, but, and, and Lord, set us up for success, for kingdom success. People who need to know Jesus, who need to be healed, bring them in front of us. Could we want to do your work? In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.